Hello, this is Anthony Day, and welcome to another edition of the Sustainable Futures Show. The show is now available on Stitcher, as well as iTunes, and shortly on Miro as well. Stitcher, that's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R dot com. Download the app, and you can enjoy the show wherever you are. This is an extra episode, and I'll tell you why it's called Plan B in a minute. There's a lot of sustainability in the news. I commented recently on GM Foods, and it's very concerning to see that a charity, Action Aid, has been spreading false rumours in Africa about GM crops. They have been showing farmers pictures of rats with tumours as part of their campaign to prevent genetically modified food technology being made legal in Uganda. They have even commissioned radio commercials warning of the dangers of eating GM foods, despite a ruling by the World Health Organization that they have no effect on human health. They're in direct conflict with NGOs such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which is promoting GM crops in the country. Opposition to GM has no scientific foundation, and the UK arm of the ActionAid charity said that these health warnings should not have happened and have now been stopped. Even so... They apparently went on for 16 months, and no doubt will have raised serious doubts in the minds of many people. It's difficult to understand people's motivation in putting out this sort of false information. Nearer home, the National Trust has now recognised threats from climate change. They say that the countryside has been damaged by unsustainable land management over the past 70 years, Wildlife has disappeared from fields and hedgerows, overworked soils have been washed out to sea and habitats destroyed, and the degraded landscapes are now threatened further by climate change. Extreme weather is also threatening the many historic buildings in the care of the National Trust. Better news comes from the Energy Secretary, Ed Davey, who has discovered water source heat pumps. More than one million homes across Britain could be heated by taking heat from nearby rivers and canals and pumping it into the home. Apparently, he has identified more than 4,041, that's a very precise figure, rivers, estuaries, coastal sites and canals containing warm water and accessible enough to heat homes. When he says warm, the water only needs to be a few degrees above freezing to have sufficient heat that can be extracted and then by concentrating this heat into a small volume, it raises the temperature. Well, roughly that's how it works. This is another renewable technology. It will reduce our requirement for gas for home heating and help to reduce the nation's carbon footprint. Of course, it's not all good news. It never is. The Public Accounts Committee warned this week that 5 million properties in the UK are at risk of flooding from coastal, river and surface water. You can classify this under sustainability or under prudent contingency planning. The sad fact is that even now very many businesses in the UK do not plan for what they should do if they get flooded. And they overlook the fact that if bits of their supply chain get flooded that can be just as damaging to their businesses. This was a point made by Tim Balkan Chief Executive of the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment, when I spoke to him earlier this week. The full interview 
will be published on the Sustainable Futures show after Easter, just before Sustainability Live. Thought for the day. If driverless cars don't need drivers, will we need insurance? And now to Plan B. That's B-E-E. This is a light-hearted presentation to a group of beekeepers about the hazards of keeping bees. As you probably know, without bees, many of our food crops would disappear because there would be nothing to pollinate them. Let's all look after the bee. To, to talk, and uh, so I thought I'd, I'd ring up uh, Bruno and say, well, what exactly do you want me to talk about? And he said, bees. <laughs> so I said, oh, and he said, well, look, as an experienced beekeeper, you can give people explanations. I said, what? I'm not an experienced beekeeper. <laughs> I mean, I've only been keeping bees for five years. And there's people in this association who've been keeping bees for five lifetimes. <laughs> ah, so, hence plan B. And it's quite interesting that I uh, chose the name Plan B because I was at this show this afternoon and there was this stand and it said Plan B all over yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I went up, I said I need some ideas. Because there are no blue bees. So I've had to make them up for myself. What I thought I'd do is I would share with you what I've learned in the five years that I've been keeping bees. And for people who may be beginners or thinking about uh, taking up keeping bees, I hope this will arouse your interest. And for those of you, and that's the majority, who are experienced, I hope it will arouse your sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, beekeeping is really simple if you keep to the rules. That's all it is. There's just rules. And rule number one, everybody knows rule number one. Never forget rule number one, which is, for any two beekeepers, there are always at least three opinions. <laughs> Although not every beekeeper would agree. <coughs> <laughs> rule number two I've got it written down here so it must be right rule number two is that if there is a small hole in your bee suit the bees will find it long before you <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of them and, <coughs> yes, and the other thing is you can never find the queen now I speak from personal experience in my five years I have never found the queen well I have to modify that slightly I bought a rather nice Buckfast Queen last year, and she's marked, and I can find her. But apart from that, I have never found a Queen without expert help. Thank you, Nigel. <laughs> uh, and also, the um, uh, seasonal bee inspector came round, and we went through the hives, and he said, well, there she is. Oh, oh, she's a nice Queen. That's a really good Queen. And look at all this brood. Oh, she's got a really good colonnade there. So that was all right. Until the next week, when we did the uh, inspection, and the hive was absolutely full of emergency cells. Because <laughs> we squashed it. So, oh, no. <laughs> it's all true, it's all true. When, when you start beekeeping, you generally get your colonies from somebody who's a specialist in breeding, and you get really rather nice bees, don't you? And they're, they're docile, and they're easy to deal with, and, and, and when you're really new, you, you got quite close to the hive, and you watch them for hours, and you do it without any kit on. Oh, well, I mean beekeeping kit, I mean. <laughs> I mean otherwise it would be really silly. <laughs> particularly, if, <laughs> particularly if you keep your, your, your bees on the allotments like I do. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, after you've lost, a, if you had a few seeds, you've lost a few swarms, the actual provenance of your queen is completely unknown and the temper of your colony changes. 
So that brings us to rule number four, which is about opening your most aggressive hive, which you always leave till last. <laughs> there are a number of subsections to rule number four. When you come to open the hive, your most aggressive hive, first of all, not only does that lid, that, that roof stick like mad, so you've really got to pull it off, but at the same time, the crown board is stuck to it, so that comes off, and there all the bees are exposed, and they're out to get you. And the next point, of course, is that your smoke's gone out. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes, well, just before you'd open that hive, you were puffing it away, and there was clouds of smoke everywhere. And then these bees are all aiming for you, and you're left that puff, 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 and that bee. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, you can get a spare smoker, but for every two smokers, all three will go out at the same time. <laughs> I think, and this is, this is quite serious, really, I, I think that anybody who's starting in beekeeping really should consider getting the basic qualification because you will learn by experience and you will have the benefit as well of learning from experienced beekeepers in the association. But if you've got the structure of the basic qualification, then you can find out where your weaknesses are and you can learn and uh, uh, fulfil them. And apart from that, you get a nice badge, which you can stitch onto your bee suit. And I think you should, because it's, it shows you're worthy of a certain amount of respect. But the bees don't take any notice at all. <laughs> <coughs> why do we do it? I think some of us ask this question, why do we do it? Because it's dumb and no one wants to hide. Well, I don't think we do it for the money. I mean, there are people who make a really good living out of bees, like thorns. <laughs> but um, no, maybe it's uh, we, we do it because we want to get to closer to nature or because we want to get closer to country living and that reminds me, last summer we went to the Egton Show has anybody been to the Egton Show? Egton is a little village near Whitby right up uh, on the edge of the Mormons and it's a little village and they have this enormous agricultural show absolutely incredible all sorts of things there and beekeepers of course and they're very fortunate they make some really nice honey because they're right on the ed edge of, of the moor. They don't have to take their, their bees up to the heather. They just stand outside the hive and say, that way. <laughs> <laughs> and it really works. But uh, this show, and I don't know what they get up to in the long, dark winter evenings, but there's this enormous um, display tent with fruit and vegetables and animals and uh, geese and ducks and hens and uh, handicrafts and cages. And in one corner, they had 30 types of wheat, they had 40 types of barley, and they had 50 grades of Yes. Well, anyway. Ah, right, yes. The other thing, of course, is uh, if all else fails, get a book. Um, although for any two books, of course, you're getting two different ideas. I, I went to the bookshop and I thought this is not a particularly uh, serious or, or formal event and, and there was a book, big book of bee jokes. I thought, well, that's ideal, except it wasn't that book of bee at all. But I did get another book. Now, uh, you may have seen this. This was in, uh, Waterstones had a whole window with this book. Uh, absolutely full. Everything was in this. Uh, uh, the, the whole window was full of bees. And they tried to make it authentic because they had what they thought was uh, a beehive, but actually it was a bumblebee nest, but there you go. <laughs> and there was a, a rather manky um, jar of honey. Uh, 
What do you want to know? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> what, the one that was marked first prize Harrogate show? <laughs> oh, well, anyway. So I bought this book, and the, and the lady in the shop, oh, you've got to read Oh, it's really good. Well, I learned things in here that I've never found anywhere else. For example, when the queen lays an egg, it glows in the dark. Yeah? Well, I mean, how else do the bees see the waggle dance? <laughs> uh, yes, what else? Oh yes, bees can talk. Bees can talk, apparently. Just so in here. Now, I suspected that for a while because, and this is quite true, last year I had a bee which crawled right into my ear. It's not very nice. I don't know why it did it. And I couldn't hear a word it was saying. But in fact, I wasn't really thinking about that. I was more likely to be thinking, is it going to sting me in the ear and then what's going to happen? But then I thought, no, it's not, because it's already stuck me on the neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the other what's the other pearl of wisdom in this book? I thought it's written down here somewhere. Um, oh yes. Bees all have names. Did you know that? Bees all have names. So I'm going out to the apron tomorrow to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> now this is the mystery prize. I thought I would donate this to the raffle. So whoever's won that mystery ticket has got this book. And I think if, for example, you ever get shipwrecked on a desert island, you will find this book invaluable. Because, I mean, the pages are just the right shape and size <laughs> <laughs> for, for lighting a fire. <laughs> well, what of the future? We live in challenging times. We live in difficult times. And I think we're all very grateful to the good people at the National Bee Unit and a number of universities around the country who are working hard to help us to keep our bees safe. But we have all these challenges. We've got the neonicotinoids. I've, I'm a relatively new beekeeper. I've never known bees without varroa, which of course is a scourge we all have to deal with. The Asian hornet is uh, apparently in northern France. There's always a risk it's going to get blown across the channel. We'll have that to deal with. And then there's the small hive beetle, which uh, is in Italy and maybe moving north as well. But I am taking steps as far as that is. That's concerned because I'm putting all my colonies in uh, 14 by 12s. No more small hives for me. But have you heard, and this is actually true, well, some of it's true, uh, have you heard about the flow hive? This is something which has been developed by two Australians. Yeah. Yeah? And they've got these rather special supers, which means you just turn a handle and the honey just comes out of pipe and it goes straight into the jar. You don't have to take the supers out, you don't have to spin it, you don't have to uncut it, right? It's amazing. Uh, apparently the Mark II, you turn the handle the other way uh, and it feeds the bees for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Um, the, uh, the deluxe version plays Walter and Matilda when they <laughs> uh, And when they bring out the national version, that will play God Save the Queen. <laughs> Right, <laughs> so now you want to know the charity that I've chosen. Well, I thought long and hard about this. I thought it's got to be something which is relevant to beekeepers, but more than that, it's got to be relevant to people like you and me who are members of this organisation. So therefore, I think we should support Age Concern. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, may all your queens be fruitful. May we have a long, hot summer. May all your honey supers be overflowing.
Well, that's it for this special episode. There'll be another one as normal, and it'll be about education this time. It's my presentation to the education show at the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. So until then, this is Anthony Day at the Sustainable Futures Show saying thank you for listening and looking forward to having you join me very shortly. Bye for now.